talking about love there, but we've got a love-hate relationship with the dark here in South Africa. It's something that, uh, although we don't want to get used to, it seems we have to get used to. A Tima is saying, uh, I'm in the load shedding right now, but I got you via my Bluetooth speaker, King St. Nazi. I'm glad that we are together with you and other A Teamers who are making a means to connect despite the fact that they might not have power. A Teamers, we get into a social conversation and we'll be speaking to Temba Gordi, who is the leader of the African People's Convention. And uh, they have embarked on a countrywide protest as uh, they are seeking solutions to ESCOM's crisis. You can join in on the conversation by calling us on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp 614 Please do remember that if you are WhatsApping us and sending us a voice note, make it no longer than 60 seconds. We cannot um, play longer than 60 seconds, which is a minute. Um, voice notes and it must be audible so make sure you stick to that and our sms number is 41391 late night conversations monday to thursday 10 p.m till midnight social conversations a big welcome to you uh temba gordi thank you very much for joining us this evening thank you very much for having me Mm. So talk to us about what has inspired you as the, the African People's Convention to embark on this nationwide protest uh, to seek solutions for ESCOM's crisis. Well, the decision to uh, tackle the challenges that ESCOM is imposing on the country um, was taken at our third National People's Congress which was on the 19th to the 21st of March this year in Guyana, in Limpopo. There was a resolution specifically on ESCOM. And on the 20, weekend of the 25th and 26th, I think, of June, we had a meeting of our Central Executive Committee, which then said, how then do we implement that resolution? And that's where the decision was taken that... Uh, Starting from this July, uh, the APC must represent uh, an organized response to the problems that has come and create a platform for the people uh, to resist and put pressure uh, on ESCOM and the powers that be to change course and ensure that uh, electricity, which we regard as a social right, should be available to everybody in a reliable manner, but also in being affordable to everybody. So you started uh, your stri- or your protest uh, today and you went to Megawatt Park. Um, uh, how was the turnout and do you feel that impact was made? Well, look, we... Firstly, the APC, we understand uh, protests. Uh, in, in you know in two ways. One is a qualitative element, secondly there's a quantitative element. The qualitative aspect is to do with the substantiveness of the issues you are raising. Are they correct? Are they in the interest of the people or not? The quality the quantitative one is how many people uh, are there. Now our understanding of uh, this struggle against the uh, ESCOM is that it is not going to be, you know, to use military palace. It's not going to be a war of quick decisions, so to speak. It's going to be a war of attrition. 
meaning we are in this for a long haul. And uh, as for today, our main interest was that uh, I should go and deliver uh, our memorandum uh, to the powers that be at ESCOM and to actually inform them, which is what you see in the uh, last paragraph of our report, that uh, they were not seeing us for the last time, nor hearing from us for the last time. Uh, It is going to be an unfolding campaign. We are not just going to march today and tomorrow in Nelspreet and Friday in Polukwane and next week Wednesday in Plumfontein, and and then that's it. Uh, in August, we'll be back in September. We'll be back in March 2023. We'll be back. We are prepared for the long haul uh, because we understand that uh, the issue is not one of mere administrative incompetence. Uh, yes, there is some elements of that uh, area or that aspect but fundamentally, we're dealing here with a policy trajectory uh, begged and in the interest of rich people, uh, minority interests and foreign interests uh, entrenched. And they therefore are not just going to be shooed away by a single uh, or two or three matches. So uh, for us, that was neither here nor there. And we told them that the fact of we're not here for any dramas. We're here to present your memorandum. That is what should occupy you uh, and the responsibility you have to the nation. Now, uh, can you just uh, elaborate more on what uh, was in your uh, memorandum to ESCOM that you delivered today? And was there any in it? Was there any maybe ultimatum of when you wanted a response to that uh, particular, you know, uh, things that were outlined in the memorandum? Well, there was a time frame, and the time frame is the 15th of, of August. And the reason for that is that... Uh, so what was contained in the memorandum? Yeah, no, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll come to that part, yes. I had not forgotten. I just wanted to to, to go through that part uh, because, as I indicated, the various provinces will be having uh, their activities until the end of July. So we felt by the end of the last March, we could give them two weeks or so to process it and come back to us. That's the reason why we took it that far. Um, secondly, in, in terms of the substance of the of the memo, um, firstly, we we are calling for the end to load shedding. We say it is unnecessary. Uh, and are justifiable in the context where South Africa has the raw material for the production of electricity, which is coal, and especially when you are we are using low-quality coal, uh, which does not compete uh, with the export to the international market, especially in European countries and China. Uh, and secondly, we were we are demanding that uh, electricity should be available to to all South Africans, I'm sure you are aware that uh, in, say, in the city of Joburg, for example, 30% of the residents don't have access to electricity. Uh, why not? Why do why do we not have universal access? And thirdly, that, that 
electricity must be must be affordable. Uh, just like I indicated above, we have the raw materials. We're using low-quality coal. Why should it be expensive? And that, of course, the leadership of ESCOM, the management, the board, and the minister must be held uh, responsible. Actually, they must be relieved of their responsibilities because ESCOM continues to deteriorate uh, under their watch. Um, but we also do explain in the memo so that there should be no confusion that by singling out individuals, we're not suggesting that uh, we're personalizing the issues. No, we're quite clear. It's only, however, that when there's a problem, we have to attach a face to it, since there are the immediate faces in the management uh, of ESCOM, and therefore bear direct responsibility uh, for what is happening there. But we're clear that the, the main, the root of the problem is the policy trajectory, which they in any way are implementing very enthusiastically, a policy that destroys the coal-fired power stations of ESCOM in the interest of uh, renewables, whose technological development is not yet enough to sustain any economy anywhere in the world. A-teamers, we are in a conversation with Temba Gordi, who is uh, the leader for the African People's Convention. Today, they went uh, on a protest, a peaceful one, uh, to Megawatt Park at Eskom to hand over a memorandum. And they say, well, there'll be more across the country. This is for them to seek solutions for the Eskom crisis we are facing when it comes to load shedding. I'd love to hear from you. I mean, you're a South African, you're here running your business, having to study, having to work, cook for your family, and just live, right? And this load shedding is affecting all of us. So how are you coping? And also, do you have solutions? Do you have solutions? Because that's what I'm hoping we are going to find um, at the end of this conversation. Let me know on 011-714-2006. Alternatively, send an SMS to 41391 or a WhatsApp to 614 Social Conversations. We're still in conversation with uh, Temba Gordi, African People's Convention. Now, Temba, um, from, from what you have cited that is part of your memorandum, um, I don't see solutions. You're saying you are protesting to seek solutions, right, to the ESCOM crisis. I see you pointing out issues that are already there um, and not many solutions. And, you know, having such a protest, I would have expected something a bit more radical, something that would then make South Africa stand up and want to join in on these protests, something that would make ESCOM maybe chew on some thoughts and uh, solutions, actual solutions on how we can move forward? No, no, no. It is, it is there that, well, I was not reading line for line. Well, and then give uh, us those solutions to, to give us some comfort. What are the solutions to this crisis that you have <laughs> suggested? Because we want comfort. No. We're in a crisis. We can't keep talking shop. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, think, I think we must be we must be clear that we are in a man-made crisis. It is deliberate. It's not as if there is a problem that needs uh, brilliant minds to, to find solutions to. No, we don't. I mean, ESCOM has, uh, has the capacity to produce uh, about 47,000 megawatts. And as a country, we don't even need 
40,000 megawatts at peak hour. You know, ESCOM has a surplus of more than 10,000 megawatts. And then what happens is that when there's a breakage, <coughs> where there's a breakdown in coal-fired uh, power stations, these are not repaired. Uh, some are actually being stripped. Uh, I was told of one... <coughs> uh, sorry, I'm going to interject the timber. Yeah. Um, you say you do have solutions, and again, you are telling me what's going on. What are the solutions that you are protesting for? South Africans want to join you on this protest, but we need to understand it. What are the solutions? You say yeah, you've got no, them. Give them no, to no, us. No, no, no. I, I think, <laughs> I think my, my point is that we must not approach it as if there's a problem that needs brilliant mind to resolve, because what you are dealing with is a deliberate policy drive. What you, the solution is a change in, in, in policy application and policy approach. All countries are moving to renewable energy, but there is no country that destroys its capacity mm-hmm. in order to add renewables. That's why when, when Russia stopped sending gas to Germany last week, uh, they quickly restarted their coal-fired power plants because they have been there. But in our case, what happens is that the coal-fired power stations are being destroyed and therefore reducing generation capacity with the hope and the pressure that is coming to the fore now that says uh, give more licenses to IPPs. And we're saying there is no country that operates like that where you destroy what you have with the hope that you will then introduce IPPs. Because, like I said, there is no country in the world that is powering its economy on IPPs. So there is no problem that needs us to crack our skulls. We have people who are deliberately destroying ESCOM in order to open the way for IPPs. That's what it is. Hmm. Let me go to an ATM's voice note. Uh, good move from them. Uh, good move from them, uh, Petty. But my question is, why they are only talking about uh, the electricity? Why not? Uh, why not the other sources like uh, like the fuel? The fuel price and the gas price is also ridiculous. You know, the fuel price, the gas price, the food price is actually ridiculous. Okay, come in on that uh, message that we've just uh, received, Tim. Yeah, actually today as we're about to leave um, Megawatt Park, um, one of our activists came and said, but then what are we doing about uh, the fuel price? <clears throat> um, and, and I said to him, look, we have a resolution from our Congress which we have not implemented. Uh, what we can do as an organization is start implementing what is on the table. And if in that process we realize that uh, there are other related matters that must come on board, then we should add them. But we can't start there, or we can't start a campaign with everything that is wrong in the country. So I want to believe that uh, the issue around fuel will definitely be addressing it uh, in terms of taking action uh, into cause, because indeed... Uh, electricity, the cost of fuel affects everybody. There is no one who is immune from it. So I agree with him in a way. All right, let's go to an Atima who's on the line. Atima Bongani, good evening. 
Yes, good evening. Good evening. Yes, yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. your comment or question? Yeah, I did it, prisoner. Quite certainly, we should not be like maybe be what uh, partners which always take the same pattern. Uh, be like sheep which uh, follow without question. You see, I'm having a problem in understanding this process. It is not only this one, but even the other process. And especially where it is very imminent, that at the end of the day, uh, those who have made the protest to take place will accede to the demands which is demanded by the people. Uh, but part of the language which we are like making, especially to the young ones, I'm very much interested not in the event as such, but what it triggers to the minds of the people, especially to the vulnerable, whereby you've got to do it away, to achieve what? At a cost, because quite certainly these involve the cost. And at the end of the day, we've got these which other people comfortably called democracy. Then we talk about the negotiation table. Why is the negotiation? Why are these powerful South Africans of former always listening to SSM from SSM talking that actually indicate that they do have answers, not to go to toy toy to achieve what? Why does it impact uh, this process take place? Because we have seen that those powerful uh, protests uh, finally then they will actually like maybe ask party against why because I'm having a problem understanding whereby those who are actually like demanding to accept whatever we demanded then they will say but at a cost because I'm having a problem also like we've got the government and we've got the government but are we the people who are governable we've got the CEO the managers and the like party whatever that they propose as ESCOM uh, are those being actually agreed to because we've got now trade unions and the other even other parties who are paying them. And then, then can we therefore give those particular individuals that title of being CEO, being manager of the one? And we can complicate even this system. So that's just lastly, because I don't want to actually like maybe use other people's time or this next time. All right, yeah, thank, you sure. thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Bongan. Um, Temba, you can hear Bongan is very passionate about what he's saying, and um, I don't know if you would like to weigh in there. Well, I hope I I heard him well. Um, I got say that he, if I got him well, um, that he he is concerned about uh, protests vis-à-vis negotiations, the cost of protests, and. What what is then achieved through that? I'm not sure if I, if that's a correct summation of what he said. That's a gist. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I must say that uh, our our understanding as the APC um, of of protest, and we would want to bring a paradigm shift on this aspect. One is that protests organized by organized formations, whether they be political parties or trade unions. Uh, must be disciplined, must be peaceful, must be focused so that the focus remains the issue. The objective of public protest is to bring public attention uh, to issues, firstly within those responsible in those entities, but also uh, in the public, in the public eye or in the public mind. And thirdly, our approach to 
to protest is that once we embark on a protest like this one because there is a problem, uh, we will sustain it until the problem is resolved rather than to just uh, walk down the street, hand over a memorandum and then go home and sleep. Because it is a problem, it must be resolved. And uh, the extent to which people end up protesting uh, emanates from the fact that uh, those in authority act in ways that are obviously not in the interest of the people and are hell-bent or determined to push ahead unless there is a counterforce. And the only counterforce we have is is the force of the public. So I think we have seen two weeks ago in Ecuador uh, around fuel costs. The people protested for 18 days and the government ended up capitulating and reducing the price of petrol. So if they didn't, all manner of uh, verbal engagements had not worked. So uh, protests uh, run in a disciplined way, uh, based, premised on the force of popular support rather than uh, anarchy and all this other stuff, I think remains a potent weapon in a democratic, uh, in a democratic society. Here's a message. This one comes from Malosi Munene, who's in Limpopo, saying Temba Koti and his party have lost relevancy, and this is uh, demonstrated by his uh, past electoral defeat. Why must we rally around him? He must focus on building his party and restoring the electoral defeat he had suffered. Clearly, he was rejected by the masses. Sure. Okay, this one's quite a harsh one, uh, Temba. Um, uh, what do you have to say about it? No, 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 no. I get those kind of things on a daily basis on social media. And I understand it. It's fine. He has his perspective. Some of us fought for freedom so that he can have such, he has, can have the right to hold such perspectives. Uh, what, what is the moon when a dog barks? Nothing. I mean, it's, it's his view. Uh, Look, the APC exists, continues to exist like all other political parties. It has a view. It takes action on the basis of what it thinks is right. He might think it is wrong. It is fine. Um, there are those who think we are right. And it is that cacophony of ideas that uh, defines democracy. So I will not go as far as denigrate his views. It's fine. It's his views. That's it. And in terms of uh, what he's saying about, you know, uh, people galvanizing behind this protest uh, initiative that you've put together, how will you get people um, to to support you? Because it's not a a political party issue. It's a country issue. Very true. And and, and, and that is why our approach to it is not... It's it's very much about the people than than about the APC. And like I said, that uh, we we look at this as a, you know a, a drawn out struggle. Uh, and what is important for us is not how we begin, but how we end, and which matters the most. And that end is when uh, load shedding has been ended, and the policy trajectory uh, that is premised on destroying ESCOM's uh, power generation capacity uh, is halted. Um, every process, pro- process. I'm sure you saw last week uh, thousands of people invading the residence of the Sri Lankan president. It didn't start there. When it was started by the Communist Party, it was uh, there were small protests. 
but because they sustained them, it, they then generated their own momentum to where it went. So people should understand dialectics, a uh, process of qualitative improvement. Uh, that is what gives us hope uh, and internal, eternal belief that as long as the agenda is people-centered, uh, victory is guaranteed. All we need is to be persistent, is to be focused, is to be principled, is to be disciplined, so that nothing clouds the issue. Not APC, not any other issue, but the fact that load shedding is a menace to the lives of everyone in South Africa. Here's another message from an A-teamer who hasn't given me their name, but saying, Evening, Pat. Has the country ever looked into investing in the following new green power technology types, concentrating solar power technology, floating wind turbines, uh, printable organic solar cells, biomass uh, gasification technology for power generation, tidal energy technologies. And now when we talk solutions, this is what I think are solutions, things that can actually be used (laughs) to give us power. And in your research and your understanding, Tamba, has the country embarked on such? Well, (laughs) um, I, I think, look, what I said is, All countries are uh, introducing renewable energies, but they do it in a responsible manner. You can't be investing in tidal energy, in this or that energy, and destroy what you currently have before that is guaranteed and confirmed that it is sustainable. I think that's the point. So... If, if what is saying is not premised on destroying ESCOM's current generation capacity, it's fine. But if it's prima, if it goes hand in hand with destroying the capacity that ESCOM has, then we'll have the problem of load shading because technology currently does not exist anywhere in the world. Let me repeat this. Technology currently does not exist anywhere in the world where renewable energies can power an economy of a country. So it is reckless to destroy what we have in the hope of using a technology that is being developed. It is not yet confirmed in practice. All right, uh, let me go to another voice note. Uh, good evening, I was Patricia. I just want to ask uh, Temba Godi. Um, one or two questions. The first question that I want to ask him is uh, in his own opinion how does uh, load shading uh, benefit uh, the current administration uh, Ramaphosa's administration because uh, quite frankly uh, after Arthur Fraser reported the Palapala robbery, we didn't have load shedding for a very long time. Secondly, what is it that his party is going to do to solve all these problems? Anonymous. Many questions there, big questions. What's your response, Tab? Well, firstly, um, 
last week in the British Parliament, it was reported that uh, during the G7 summit in Germany, President Ramaphosa confirmed to Boris Johnson that uh, the South African government is on course to decommission ESCO. And my understanding of decommissioning means you closing down uh, your your power stations that are using uh, are using coal. Um, now, so how how does it benefit the current administration? Well, the current administration has tied itself to a course of action. You remember. Uh, in last year's G7, one of the big announcements out of it was South Africa's uh, commitment to a loan of, I think it was 23 billion rand for what was called just transition, supported by America, Britain, and some of these European countries. The very countries who themselves they are enhancing their production capacity, not using renewables, but using the conventional a nuclear as well as coal power station. So it is not so much what they benefit than that they are committed to a, a policy course to which they can't reverse irrespective of whatever happens. Now, the, the point is raising about after Palapala, we didn't see any, we didn't see a lot of load shedding. Well, it might as well, you know, lend itself to the conspiracy theorists that says some of this load shading is actually part of what uh, Professor Chomsky has spoken about, that where public utilities are to be privatized, you mess them up, you defund them, you mismanage them, create a crisis until the public is so frustrated that they are prepared to accept anything as a solution, uh, including privatization. So. I can't directly say what it is that benefits the administration. Safe to say that they are committed to a course that requires them to go down this route. All right. Uh, Tamar, now, we're going to have to close it there because I need to go to the news, but I'm sure we'll be touching base with you soon. Thank you very much for joining us. That was uh, Temba Gordi, African People's Convention leader. Hey, team, it's time for us to go to the news uh, with uh, Greg Host. Good evening, Greg.